Noah and I were out uh, out and about uh, one day this this past week and gave out our last uh, blessing bag, and it is always um, uh, a, a, a privilege to be able to do that. And I know my my kids really um, love being able to do that. So if you ha- if you don't have any blessing bags in your car, I encourage you to grab some before you get out of here uh, today and take them with you and keep them handy. All right, um, praise the Lord. Well, coming soon, within the next week or two, uh, it's my intention to start a new teaching series on the Bible. I'm going to call it, um, we're calling it um, a Well-Read, and, and I just want to tell you up front, in my opinion, it is incredibly important that we do this. Um, in, in the day and time in which we live, uh, there's such an assault on the Scripture um, and, and, and such confusion about it that, that I believe this is going to be one of the most important things we've done in a while in terms of teaching anyway. So I encourage you to be prepared for that. I also have to go ahead and warn you up front that, that it has the potential for some of you to be challenging. And, and so I encourage you to be here. If you're not here with us in person, if you can be, would encourage you to do that. Again, that will come up uh, soon. I had actually intended to start the, this morning, uh, but you know, I lost some time in January uh, and, and just wasn't 100% sure I, I felt like I was completely ready for that. I was going back and forth all this week. Should I start today or not? And and middle the latter part of the week, I felt like the Lord really actually gave me a, a simple word for you out of this week's gospel lesson, and so I think I need to be faithful to share that with you today. So with that in mind, would you stand with me, please, in honor of the Word of God, and just to kind of get us moving, I'm going to read for us this morning our, our gospel lesson for this week, uh, Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 11, Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. It's a little bit longer than, than I would normally start with, so I'm just going to read it for us. Uh, this is what the Bible says, Luke 5, beginning at verse 1. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Genesaret, uh, with, with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon saw this, he fell at Jesus' knee and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Praise the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. And you may be seated. Now, I mentioned I felt like the Lord gave me a simple word for you out of this passage. I mean that. I've just got a couple of quick thoughts uh, from the passage. And then one main exhortation, one main encouragement, I believe the Lord wants specifically for you this morning. And so we'll, we'll get into that. But this passage begins, like all good things, with Jesus. It begins with Jesus standing uh, by the Sea of Galilee, just kind of hanging out. As people begin to crowd around him, begin to press their way in on him, and as they do that, the the passage says in in verse 3, he got into one of the boats, 
the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Now, if that seems a little bit odd to you, you should know that Jesus actually did that on a number of occasions. What I mean is it was not unusual for him, apparently, to hop into a boat and push just a little bit offshore and use it sort of as a, as a makeshift floating stage from which a rostrum from which to, to teach the people. Now, I suspect he did that primarily for convenience and safety's sake because the truth is wherever Jesus went, people were regularly thronging him, mobbing him. The Greek of the text here says the crowd was pressing in on top of him. So the truth is putting a little bit of space between Jesus and the people is probably a really good idea. If you want to, you could consider it an early form of social distancing, but um, I digress. Now what really stood out to me from this part of the passage, though, was the people's hunger for the Word of God. They flocked to Jesus, they pressed in as close as they could get to Him, and the text says, listening to the Word of God. When He pulled back from them and and kind of pulled away a little bit in a boat, uh, they continued to stay there and they continued to listen to Him as He taught them from the boat. And I want to make sure you understand, when people taught back then, it was not in nice little 20-minute homilies. And when they taught, they often taught, typically taught for hours at a time. You remember that time when Jesus fed a whole bunch of people with a couple of fish and some bread? Part of the reason for that is because they had stayed there listening to him teach for so long, it got to be past supper time. There's an account in the book of Acts, chapter 20. Where the Apostle Paul's in town, he, he's, he's teaching uh, to a group of Christians, and the Bible says that he talked on and on. And he talked on and on. In fact, he talked past midnight. And, and there was a young guy in the crowd uh, there, the house or where he was teaching, a uh, named Eutychus, who was sitting up in a third-story window watching him. Paul went on. It says, as Paul talked on and on, Eutychus fell asleep, fell out of the window three stories to his death. Now listen, say what you want to about my preaching. I haven't killed anyone yet out of boredom, so I think I'm doing okay. Two weeks ago, our Old Testament lesson from the book of Nehemiah recorded a time where all the people of Israel were gathered together in the streets of Jerusalem and stood there listening to Ezra and the Levites simply read to them, and then they expounded as well, read and expound the book of the law. It says they stood there from sun up till noon. Six hours they stood in the sun, packed together, everyone who could understand, listening to the reading of the Word of God. And it says that as they stood there, they wept. They were so moved by what they heard and so in love with the Word of God. In another week or two, we're going to start a new teaching series on the Bible. And with that in mind, as I prepare for that, I cannot help but wonder, how hungry are we? How hungry are we for the Word of God? Are we hungry for His truth? Are we hungry for His revelation? Are we hungry for His wisdom? Or are we honestly kind of too busy for that? I I still read stories regularly from missionaries and teachers who will go to places overseas and and they'll sit and they'll, they'll teach and they'll start teaching and the people will just sit there for hours and hours and, and they'll, they'll stop and they'll say, please don't stop. And, and they'll pull more out for an hour and they'll just stay. And they would stay forever if they could. I wonder if, 
if we decided, I don't know, once a month we, we'd have a meet, we'd meet you know, one night a month, and all we would do is we'd sit and we'd read all the way through a book of the Bible, and then maybe have a pastor and elder come back and, and go and, and, and teach through that book, however long it took to get through the whole thing. I wonder how many people would come. They, 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 they pack you out in parts of Asia and Africa for that. But whatever we might do, here in the text, in Luke chapter 5, Jesus is thronged by people, mobbed by people, pressing in to hear the word of God, willing to stay there as long as it took. And I want to suggest we need some of that same hunger. We need some of that same willingness to inconvenience ourselves for the word of God. Now, at some point on this occasion in Luke chapter 5, however, Jesus concluded his teaching of the people. And at that point, he began his teaching of Simon Peter. Verse 4 says, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Now, at the simplest and most concrete level, Jesus was about to bless the financial socks of a couple of humble fishermen. By providing them with an unexpected, overwhelming, miraculous catch of fish. A catch of fish so massive that it threatened to sink two boats. But I want to make sure you understand that that massive haul of fish, that incredible, mind-boggling miracle was never Jesus' primary objective. Nor his primary point in this situation. And I know that for certain. Because as soon as they drug that catch on shore, as soon as they hauled those fish to shore, Jesus looked at the fishermen and said, leave it and follow me. And they did. Verse 11 says, they, they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. In other words, that whole gigantic, mind-boggling fish miracle was mostly... A message was mostly a sign intended to get Simon Peter's attention and set him off on a new path. And with that in mind, I think, personally, it's worth noting that, that in verse 4, in the original Greek, the word water is not there. Actually, what it says is, when he finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep. Head out into the deep. And to be clear, in the immediate concrete sense of the, of, of the passage, he meant deep water. But I can't help but wonder if he didn't have a second meaning in mind as well. If he wasn't hinting at a message about being too shallow, about needing to launch out and go deeper. The fish were plainly used by Jesus as a metaphor for the people that Simon was going to help bring into the kingdom of God. From now on you will catch men, Jesus said. But I can't help but wondering if he was also saying, in order to do that well, in order to bring people into the kingdom well, in order to do that effectively, in order to be who God wants you to be, in order to do what God wants you to do, you're going to have to go deeper. You're going to have to grow up in God and His Word. Put childish ways behind you. Move on to maturity. The Lord wants you in deep. 
to move beyond some superficial relationship with Jesus where you believe in him at some basic level, but honestly kind of keep him at arm's distance. At any rate, those are a few random thoughts from the text. Here's the real thing I believe the Lord wanted me to get to today. Again, in verses 4 and 5. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep, let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Now, in order to get the full impact of this particular passage, there are a couple things you need to keep in mind. One of them being that Simon Peter was a professional fisherman. Jesus was something of an itinerant rabbi. In other words, Simon knew how to catch fish. He knew the best times. He knew the best spots. And since he made his living at it, we can assume he was pretty good. It's also worth noting in this particular case that Simon and his crew were tired because they'd already been fishing all night long. Verse 2 says, when Jesus saw those boats there, they were left because the fishermen were washing their nets. They were washing their nets because they were done. They'd walked all night. They're putting away the net. They're washing the nets so they could put them away and call it a day. So it's against that backdrop that Jesus looks at Simon and says, put out into the deep and let down the nets for a catch. And I cannot help but suspect Simon rolled his eyes a little bit. I can almost hear him in his head. Jesus. We've been fishing all night, and we didn't catch anything, and it's the wrong time to go fishing right now. Here's this rabbi trying to tell me how to catch fish. Amazingly, some of those thoughts actually made their way into Simon's mouth. So he said, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But, to Simon's credit, he goes on, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. Now, I say that was to Simon's credit, but I also have to tell you, I do not believe for one second he had one scintilla of faith in that comment. Uh, in fact, I don't believe he said that for Jesus' sake. I think he said it for the sake of the people all around. We're going to go fishing. Not a good idea, but because you say so. We're going we're gonna to go and fish some more. And so they did. Bone-tired though they were. With no faith whatsoever, no expectation of success whatsoever, they did what Jesus told them to do. And they caught so many fish, it almost sank two boats. I'm calling this message because you say so. And my point really is simply this. When it comes to doing what Jesus said, it is never a wasted effort to do what Jesus said. No matter how silly it may seem, no matter how useless it may seem, 
no matter how unlikely it is to work, no matter how tired you are, no matter how many times you've already tried it, no matter how weak or inconsistent your faith, it is never wasted effort to do what Jesus says to do. Many, many years ago, right, right out of college, I was leading a group of, of young adults. And this particular time, I'd spent some time, we were taking time, I was teaching how to, how to hear the voice of the Lord and how to respond to the voice of the Lord. And uh, it was exciting. Every week we come together, it was exciting to hear some of their stories. I'll never forget, once again, I'll never forget. There was a young lady in the group at the time, she was in her early 20s. Her name was Dana Barnes. I'll never forget the first story she told about trying to respond to the voice of the Lord. Uh, she said she was leaving work. She got out to her car, was getting in her car, and she had this strong impression in her heart that she felt like was the Lord, that she needed to go back into the office and check her mailbox. Now, way back then, people had mailboxes uh, at work, little mail slots. They didn't just have email accounts. They actually had physical mailboxes where people would put things for you. She, she went back in, and she looked in her mailbox, and there was nothing there. And this is my favorite part of the story. She went rejoiced thanking God that she was learning, she was becoming a person who was willing to react to what she thought he was saying. When she was telling us this story in the group that night, there were tears in her eyes. She was so giddy with excitement. She could care less that there was nothing in the mailbox. She was so excited that she was actually becoming a person who would try to respond to what she thought God was saying, whether or not it paid off for her in the moment. I will never forget that as long as I live. About three weeks later, she told us this story. She was heading out to her car from work. She was about to get in her car. She had a strong impression in her heart. You need to go back and check your mailbox. She said, hey, I'm a pro at this. She left her car, went back in the office, checked her mailbox, and this time, there was nothing in it. She's like, back to her car, thank the Lord for the privilege to walk with him, starting to wonder if maybe she's losing it just a little bit. Got in her car, drove about a mile and a half down toward her house from her office and came up on this massive, horrendous, multi-car accident. And she realized, based on the length of the backup, that that accident occurred pretty much exactly where she would have been if she had left the office rather than go back and check her mailbox. And I want to tell you, it is never wasted effort to do what the Lord tells you to do. No matter how many times you've tried it before and come up with an empty mailbox, no matter how silly it may seem, no matter how much you may think you know better. I want to close this morning by praying. And very specifically, I want to pray for any of you who, like Simon Peter in Luke chapter 5, feel like you've been working and working and come up empty. You've been working and trying and praying. You worked hard all night and you still haven't caught anything. You don't have anything to show for it. Maybe you've started thinking about washing your nets and hanging them up. Calling it and moving on. Some of you guys have been praying for years for lost friends and relatives wayward sons and daughters, siblings, maybe parents. And you prayed and you prayed and you prayed 
and you still ain't got no fish. I want to tell you, it's never wasted effort to do what the Lord tells you to do. Some of you have been praying about stuff in your own life. You hate your temper. You hate your temper, and you want to change so bad, and you don't. And you still, you've prayed and you've prayed, and you still don't feel like you can get a handle on it. I want to tell you, it's never wasted effort to do what the Lord tells you to do. Some of you guys, you have tried and you have tried and you have fished all night. And you still don't have any fish to show for it. Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not become weary in doing good. Because at the proper time, in God's time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So if you're tired, or if you know your faith is weak, I mean, you've considered, you're on the verge of stopping expecting answers to prayer. You're on the verge of stopping hoping things will change. Maybe you're ready to hang up your nets and call it a night. I want to tell you, it's never a waste of effort to do what the Lord tells you to do. And if that's you, I'm going to ask you to come forward and let me pray for you. I'm going to ask you just to come to the front. As you do that, I want to say this. If you're here, and you know God's been telling you to do something. I mean, you know God's been telling you to do something, maybe been telling you for a long time. Telling you to share the gospel with somebody at work. Maybe he's telling you to confront somebody over, over an issue of sin. Maybe he's telling you to become consistent with your tithe. Maybe he's telling you to get back in in-person worship. You know he's telling you that. But it's so much easier to stay home. Maybe he's telling you to start a ministry. Maybe he's telling you to support a ministry. Maybe he's telling you to bless somebody's socks off. Give them your car. Pay off their mortgage. I have no idea what God's telling you because I'm not God. But if you're here and you know God's been telling you to do something and you've not, for whatever reason, you've not done it, I want to tell you, it is never wasted effort to do what God tells you to do. And I'm going to pray for you as well.